You don't get successful alone. The only way you get successful is to serve the needs of others. That is not my opinion. You can go try it out for yourself. The way you become successful is to serve the greatest number of people with what you have to offer to them in exchange for a fair exchange for what you for what is uh, available for your service. Weaknesses lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just something new one more time. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Podcast with Sheila, the podcast that is spreading positivity around the world by sharing inspiring life experiences. Today's guest, Ahmed Vitar, is the owner of That Guy Media Group, a motivational consultant, international speaker, a coach, and an author. He has empowered people globally with his inspirational guidance and tips for self-development. Today, we are going to talk about Ahmed's life and how he was able to break free from some of the challenges he encountered at some point in his life, which is a story of hope in the sense, if Ahmed was able to overcome and become the person he is today, then we can overcome too. Hello, Ahmed, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. Thank you for having me on. Great. So, in brief, who is Ahmed? Where does he come from? Just a basic background story so that our audience get to know who our guest is for today. Who is the Maud Vital? So, I'm a thank you again. Thank you for having me on. Um, just a guy from a small Texas town who, um, who started learning to walk and had a pen in his hand pretty soon. Um, just, just someone trying to, trying to live life, you know, live the most fulfilling life, uh, life of service, uh, life of integrity, and just do my best to be able to, to make my father and mother proud. That's pretty much, if we had to sum it all up, that's, that would be the quick summation for us to get, to get through it. Great, 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 great. What was life like growing up as a child? Life was, life was good. Life was good. Um, you know, came from a, a solid, uh, two-parent home. Um, obviously, that changed pretty drastically. Uh, my birth parents split up probably around somewhere between 11 and 12. Uh, but I had a stepfather who stepped in, uh, who beats all. That's where that last name comes from. And it, it was good. I, I will say that regardless of the father who was in the home, um, it was always about uh, personal responsibility, accountability, responsibility, and just no excuses. Um, no entitlement. It was it was all about you know you get what you what you. It's like you are you get what you earn. You know you go out and work and you and you work for it. There was no well you know these things are against me or I have some you know overarching force keeping me from doing anything. No, my, both of my both of my fathers are are, are you know educated men, uh, men of integrity, men of men of value who who stressed hard work literally from the time I was born. There was, there was no free lunches. There were no, um, easy days. Um, uh, more was expected all the time. And that's what drives us a lot of what drives me today. Do you think there's one specific childhood memory you can recollect that shaped your life to the person you are today? Oh, ah, there's, there's so many, but you know, I'll focus on one. Um, Somewhere between uh, 10 and 12 years old, uh, my uh, father put me in summer track. And um, I was pretty good. I, I, I was winning some races, but there were some times when 
you know, you didn't win and things didn't go quite as well as you thought they would. And I remember uh, one track meet I was at, I crossed the line in fifth place. And what they would do is they would give medals for first, second, and third. And then everything through sixth, they would give like a ribbon, purple, green. And I can't remember the other color. And I remember just being sick to my stomach crossing that tape in fifth place. I mean, the tape is already on the ground by the time you're coming across there. And I remember just being just upset. Uh, you know, I'm a preteen at the time. And I remember my father and mother were in the front seat and my mom wanted to console me. And my dad just gave her a look and was just like, Mm-mm. let him let him take that moment in. Let him let him know what that feels like. Let him take all of the loss in. And it was a beautiful moment. I didn't realize how much that shaped character to where that's a lesson that, that every young man needs. And I was grateful to get that early on where it was yeah. just like, I don't like the feeling of this. So when I go back and practice again, how about I do what I need to do to put myself in a better position where this doesn't happen again? I'm not saying it won't ever happen again, but it put me in a position where I developed a work ethic um, that it really, I probably, I still embody today. And that was a great time, but it was it was not very easy to, to deal with losses in that type of way. Because I, I realized over time, I never did really enjoy losing ever. <laughs> I mean, even still today, I'm not a big fan of it, though I know it's part of the process. Wow. I think those were some good um, old day straightening in there, in the, which I think most of our children are lacking now. Most of us parents are a bit lax on our parenting skills. But when we look back at the way we were brought up, I'm not too old, and I believe you're not too old as well. But when we look quite back at the kind of parenting skills we had compared to what the children are getting now, it looks like parents have loosened up a little bit. And I would like to us to talk more about it in relation to you working with the youth later part in this interview. But let's move on to the next, which is after your 33rd birthday, right after your first book was published, something memorable happened. Share with us what happened and how that whole incident impacted your life. Uh, you probably are referring to the, uh, the week my book was officially published, uh, Waking the Baller Within. Yeah. Um, you know, for all the authors out there, they know how it works. The book is published and the author sends you your batch of copies, typically somewhere between 10, 15, you know, whatever the deal is. Um, and I remember getting my hardbacks in and I had one ready for my father. Um, I had, they came in, I was just like, yeah. So at the end of the week on Saturday, when I'm done with the, the, the work week, as we know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to sit down with the book, you know, have that father-son connection, yeah. first published book, here it is, and that was the same week I celebrated my 33rd birthday, well, the night after my 33rd birthday, um, my father died, um, I had no inkling that he was sick to the point where this would be the reality, um, but it was the reality, and at the time, I was, uh, I was, you know, I say I was, I, was, I want to say I was growing in my faith, but I wasn't growing in my faith in a way that was healthy. Um, I, you know, was was dabbling into some religious practices where, you know, you know, it was around a time when the secret had come out and, you know, the, the thoughts are things, the manifestation and all those things. So I'm just like, all right, as long as I think it and I believe it, it's done. Yeah. Like there's nothing that could ever stop what I want to create. And I remember at that time I was really... Um, I was really set on the fact that my father was going to walk out of the hospital because 
because I prayed on the way over. You know, this is after my mother had left voicemail after voicemail. The phone was in the other room. Anybody who knows knows how that goes. Your phone's in another room. You come back and there's voicemails and you're checking them. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. I've missed all these calls over the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, I was uh, I was talking with my, at the time, fiance in the other room. So I'm driving down there and I'm just like, yeah, you know, my mom says my dad's dying. But, you know, I've already prayed to God. It's not, this is not what's happening. And of course, you know, I get there and it's, you know, full trail of, tear, uh, trail of tears. It's, you know, 9-11. All the most horrific things that have happened in history um, all had hit my my mental at that same time. And I remember just sitting there looking and I was just like, you know, God, you said my father's going to walk out of here and I'm looking over at the situation. It's like, it's not looking too grim, but again, I believed I could make that happen. And of course, you know, somewhere between four 50 and 5 o'clock, my father um, did die, and I remember going outside having a conversation with God, and I'm screaming, I'm crying. I mean, just to be honest with you, I'm pissed off, Yeah. right? I, I you know, you know, people say, oh, you know, you know, you can't talk to God like that. That night I did. Not saying it was right, but that's what I did. That's what I, that's what I felt in the moment, because at that time, I felt like God betrayed me, and he wasn't listening. And I was like, God, I didn't ask you for too much. I just asked you to Make sure my father walks out of here. I didn't ask for anything else. I got a new book coming out. I didn't ask you for a bestseller. I didn't ask you for my first million dollars. This is all I asked. And I remember, you know, after having a moment, um, God spoke to me. Still small voice spoke to me and was like, you know, I hear you, son, and I never I never left you. But I do want to tell you that your father will walk out of here, but he's going to walk out of here as you. Everything he's given you, the integrity, the work ethic. All of these things that you've asked for, he's given to you. So now, why don't you honor your father? Why don't you honor me as your heavenly father and honor your earthly father in a way that we've called you to be? Now, go out and be the man your father has called you to be. And if it was like a mental freight train just hit me in my chest and, you know, shortness of breath and all of those things. But then I realized, like, it, it really shaped my business. It shaped my life so much going forward because... I started seeing things through the lens of if if I'm going to believe what the word says that everything that happens in your life is for the good of those who love God, then now I need to start looking at all of life like all of this is part of a process that I need to embody yeah. in whatever they perform. And I and I built some strength through that and, and and it really helped shape me from a gratitude standpoint, from a humility standpoint, and really from a spiritual standpoint, like my trust in God probably, you know, grew a, a tenfold after that moment. Um, it wasn't easy. It was kind of painful to deal with that type of situation, but I knew that it was for the good, and I knew that, that God doesn't leave nor forsake me, even though in that moment, it took it took my father dying for me to get the overarching lesson that this is not only bigger than me, but then my trust needs to be increased at a, at a much higher level. Great. So this takes me to the point where I was going to ask you that you said the death of your father was one of the greatest blessings you had ever had. And at a point when I read that, I was thinking, why would he say that, that the death of his father was a greater thing that had ever happened to him? But from what everything you had, you had explained to me now, it goes to answer my question for that. Because it took your father dying for you to grow. And for you to see life 
differently and actually become the person you are today so you had had to go through that painful experience and i think this is one thing we had always shared on this podcast platform saying that sometimes we go through tough times difficult times and most of the time we find ourselves in the place where we are asking why me why me and even when it happens to me sometimes i take a grip of myself and then i ask myself again if not you who should it be because if everybody's asking why me then who should be the one going through it but then we sometimes we need these experiences to shape us or to prepare us for our next level obviously because it means that you are moving forward and i think that recently i'd listened to somebody share a message and the person said if you live through life and you don't have any experiences then you know you should know that you're not going anywhere i think the person said if you live through life and you don't have any challenges then know that you are not going anywhere know that you're not making progress in life know that you're not being successful because it takes a lot of hurdles or challenges in life for you to make the next step so if you're not having any challenges you are just enjoying life you know just as it comes with no challenges nobody coming at you nothing coming at you then you know that you're not going anywhere because every challenge is meant to build us and shape us for our next level I don't know if I'm making sense, but it, it, it proves exactly what you just said to us now. It took you going through that painful situation to actually become who you are today. So you talk about gratitude, service, and impact. And you say that these three words turn your life around. How did you do that? I settled on the idea that, that there needs to be a reason why you do what you do, you know, if you just do things without thinking, without thinking, that's that's drifting. You're going to end up somewhere where you didn't plan to be there, and now you just end up in a certain spot, and you don't know how you got there. Yeah. And because and because of all the lessons between my father dying, me, you know, getting a mentor who uh, who really taught me the the value of gratitude. Like he like the gratitude and service was like the two things that. Like and obviously he's still in my life now. He's like a brother, father, minister, coach. Like he 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 wears a lot of hats when it comes to yeah. me. But service was one of the greatest things he taught me uh, on another level as an adult. Obviously, my father's had given me that spirit as well. But he really showed me more of the application because now I'm grown. I have some resources and I'm able to utilize that and leverage that in a way to where I can be beneficial to others. And so when I say I say that every action I do throughout the day needs to involve those three words, service, impact, and gratitude. Well, if those three things are, 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 are the, the buff of the, are the, the fuel of my actions, I feel like every action will be of, of a benefit to others and myself. Because if, if you're leading with, you know, if you're a cheerful giver, giving from the heart, and wanting to also be a service to society, a service to mankind, a service to your family, a service to your community. Well, there's no way, there's not a return that comes from that because you doing for other people is the greatest. That's what we're called here to do. Exactly. Well, we're not called here to accumulate stuff. Mm. We're called here to be, to be an impact and be and be a light for others. Yeah. To be a, a benefit to society. To 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 help future generations to you know you know honor your father and mother like that that is the honoring of your father and mother why 
them pouring into you and you pouring it into someone else. Now, otherwise, what are you doing in life? What are you here to do? If you're not here to serve, what purpose are you are you are you playing? What role are you playing in life? We are we are we are service driven people, or we're supposed to be service driven people. Because when we when you sit back and you say, you know, gratitude, humility, service, love, that takes the ego out of the situation. That takes it away from, you know what? This is not about me. The game of life is bigger than me. Because, you know, even when I'm when I'm working with any group of people, especially young adults, teens or whatever, I said, my goal is I want you all to be seven to ten times greater than I can ever become. Exactly. And I plan on being massively successful. So I want you all to surpass me in ways I can't even think of, right? Yeah. Because to me, that's how you improve the world. And right now, our society can use a whole lot more of this in the West and across the world. It's absolutely needed. We've torn down all of the social institutions that have built all of our worlds, all of our countries up. And it's time to get back to just the basics. And hopefully <laughs> doing as my fathers have called me to do and and, and and working to represent that on a daily basis. Wow. You know that what we just spoken about is like emphasizing what we had previously talked about in the previous episode. And I think in that episode, we had, we had emphasized that we, as we live here on earth, we are custodians of everything that we have. And we had gone on to say that if we understand as human beings that we are custodians of whatever we have and that when you have something, you're not supposed to hoard it, but to share it, then we will not have too many poor people or homeless people in the world that we live in today. We will not have children going to bed on an empty stomach because if I have more than you and I feel I can share what I have and not hoard, 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 then the world will be a much better place than it is today. And it looks like we are emphasizing that in this episode as well. And I like the fact that we are talking about it because there's so much going on in the world today that if anybody has more should be able to share or should be able to help people get to where they are in life you know and sometimes we tend to think that if i'm successful i can't let my other friend or i can't let my neighbor or my partner be as successful as me and i always say that there's a lot of room at the top the bottom is crowded so anybody who is up there should be able to help those at the bottom climb up. And I like it for the fact that you said you like to talk to young people and make them understand that you are going somewhere and that you expect them to be more big, dream bigger than you. And your dream is big in saying that your dream is big. So if they're going to have to be better than you, then it means that you're going to have to work very hard. And I like that for the fact that you're giving them room for them to dream big as well and not kind of shutting their dreams down like sometimes we get to hear in the society you're doing too big it's too big for you you're too small to be dream dreaming big like this what do you think you know it's kind like that but you have a positive vibe to what you do for the children and i like that so much and that i think that takes us to the next question which is that you're currently working as a minister you're currently working in ministry as a teacher and you work closely with teens and young adults most people in this group are battling a lot with mental health. What do you think is the cause of this and what can be done to salvage the situation? We're talking about mental health. Mm. Well, to be honest, what what really is the source of all of this? We probably don't have time in this podcast. That would probably take us to a half-day seminar mm. to be able to break all of that down. 
because obviously the, the primary breakdown of the reason why a lot of our teens are, and young adults are in the dire straits they are is because uh, the family has been completely decimated in just about every Western country up to yeah. this point. Um, the breakdown of the, the American family and families across the West is the reason why we have so many issues. It is the reason why there's so much depression because the honoring of the father and mother, well, when one of them is not there or one of them is, is, is displaced, and now we have a problem. Yeah. And so, um, and it's funny, you were saying how, you know, there's so much room at the top and the bottom is crowded. And it's just like, how did we get there? Yeah. We got, we got there because you're saying, you're saying drink bigger. Well, what you're talking about is a mindset. And that is what I try to share with my young people. Like, not only do I want you all to be successful, I want you to be godly. I want you to, uh, I want you to create, you know, beautiful, thriving families. I want you to be able to build a bridge because I want to help you get to a certain place. And I want you, some of you, to become the older version of me. Yeah. And, and, and continue this on. And so when you talk about the, the mental health situation, it, it is because, um, there's so many societal norms that have been broken down, uh, obviously starting with the family. But even with the, um, you know, the, 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 the gender ideology with the, you know, the, 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 the sexual freedom, yeah. you know, the overly feminine, the, the, the feminism movement, uh, you know, no fault divorce. I mean, we can go down the list, yeah. you know, the, the entitlements, the welfare programs. None of these things have been beneficial for society. Exactly. Right. Because you just said it's up to us as a community to take care of each other. Mm. Well, you can't take care of a community when the community has been broken because there's no family. If it's a bunch of just missing, if it's a bunch of loose puzzle pieces, we don't have a work of art. Exactly. So if everybody's homes are fractured, broken, and it's just a, a bunch of wayward kids running throughout the streets, mm. there's nothing to build on because we don't have a sense of togetherness. Exactly. You, you, it, it's, it's, it's. It's like putting together, it's literally like putting together a puzzle and you have all the pieces, but you don't have the box. The mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Because there's no family. There's no family structure. There's no church community. There's no community center. There's no where you can go to the local church and, hey, everyone, hey, can we help brother so-and-so? Can we help sister so-and-so? Let's, you know, there are some bad times. Can we put together a food driver, this and that? But when society is teaching everyone to be individuals teaching everyone hey you know go out and do what you want you don't need any values you don't need you know you don't need to have um sexual discipline you don't need to have uh mental discipline and these different things like that well if you're just out there being rudderless ships there's there's no amount of money that can fix that there is no there is no like oh you know they're always saying like well we need more funding no no we need a better mindset that's true we need a we need a we need a structure we need a structure that's going to work when, when we had families that were together, what happened? All the families in the community will get together to help the person on the corner, right? Yeah. If someone lost a spouse, we'd be there to help them pay their mortgage yeah. and help them with groceries yeah. and things of that yeah. nature. Yeah. But when everybody's houses are individually run by loose pieces and, you know, kids who don't know who their father is, kids whose mother is off doing something else, then now we have a problem. Yeah. And so I try to just be just a little bit of the glue because obviously I've come to the understanding that I'm not going to read you everyone. It's just not the way it works. I mean, whether we're talking about biblical or whatever, you're not going to reach everyone, but you know what? If I can get a, a good enough percentage yeah, and maybe one of them will be like, you know what? I love what Mr. V talk did for me. 
Let me go out and, and evangelize to someone else. Let me go out and minister to someone else. Let me go out and mentor someone else. Let me pour into someone else. If I can get a good number of those and others who are in my space as well to go out and, and build, you know, some young men up, some young ladies up to, to, you know, value their body better. Young men to go out and say, you know what, I'm going to provide and protect and I'm going to build communities. If I can get enough of them to, 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 to roll in that type of situation, maybe we can turn the ties on this. Now, there's some other things that need to happen from a governmental and society level. But you know what? This is grassroots. We gonna, we're going to have to do this in the mud and the trenches. And I've decided probably within the last 10 years, I'm willing to get in the trenches. I'm willing to get dirty. Yes, I am willing to die for this cause. That's where I am. And so the, the, the mental health is just, it's just, it's just the... It's just the effect of a very, very deep-rooted bacterial societal cause and cultural and spiritual. All of those things wrapped into one. It starts with the spiritual, it goes to cultural, it goes to political, and it goes to societal from there. But all of that has been totally just firebombed at this point in time. And so we're going to have to start off, you know, obviously we're going to have to start off from the spiritual side of things because we've got to get these young boys and girls back to getting their minds right understanding that there is something fulfilling about life to 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 answering something greater than yourself yeah and once we get to that point then we then we rebuild it's just a lot of work to be done we're about 50 60 70 years in on this experiment it's not working <laughs> right it's, exactly. it's not been working all this freedom that type of freedom freedom with no value doesn't work so yeah. You talk with so much passion, um, Ahmed, and I feel your passion from here. And I, I share the same sentiments if you ask me. I think we are living in a society, just like you said, no values, and in a confused society. If I should put it like that, we are so confused. And I think not too long ago, just before the Christmas, or while I was in the Christmas season, a couple of us ladies were having a chat. And then we were saying, when we were young, I remember those days that when it's Christmas time, my mom will send some cakes, some biscuits, some drinks to our neighbor. She's not asking for it, but it's nice to be neighborly, to give a card, a Christmas card. You're watching out for each other. You get it. When we were young, these days in our time, when you knock on somebody's door for during Christmas and you're giving them a gift, they look at you funny because that kind of relationship is broken. It's been broken over time and it looks as if you're giving me something so that next year I give you something, that kind of thing. But that is totally not it. It's just trying to build a relationship as you live in a community with your neighbor. And it used to be so fun. It was loving when we were growing up. And that thing is no more there. But when COVID came, a little bit of that trickled in where your neighbor will give you a call and find out if you're okay. We were checking up on each other. I think because of what everybody was going through everybody was in a different state of mind at that time so we were all watchful we were scary we, we were scared we didn't know what the next move was so covid kind of brought a little bit of that back but it didn't look like it lasted that much because after after the fear of covid or the grip of covid left us we've gone back to the way we used to be we don't care about each other anymore society has become so strange i don't know if i'm using the right words but there isn't much love there's more hate than love you know and as as children i think the last time my little girl came home and she said she was playing with a, a girl at school and the girl said i hate your mom so she asked her what did my mom do 
What did my mom do? Because a girl that will definitely not be my friend. So I've never had a conversation with a girl as young as six years old before. Why would she hate my mom? Why would she hate your mom? So it's either her parents are having conversations at home and talking about me and she's brought it to school or something else is going on. But my point here is if a child as young as six is talking of hate, where is it coming from? It's coming from home. So I always say on this platform, if we want change, it begins with us adults. Whatever we feed to those young minds is what they're going to grow up with. These children have minds like sponges and a sponge can you when the place is flooded you drop a sponge in and then it sucks up the water and that is what we are doing to these children we are feeding them with with rot with bad things and we are reproducing our kind so what i keep saying is if we want change it begins with me it begins with you it begins with, with everyone who is listening to us today start feeding the children with the right things then we'll start seeing change. We may not see the change now. We may see it a decade from now or whatever. But at least we've made a step towards change. And that is the only way we can see a good world. We are always talking about the world is difficult. The world is this, is that, is that. The little everybody can put in to make a change in the world. I believe we should all do it. And then we'll begin to see some change in this world. Until then, we'll begin to we'll continue to have this kind of world we are all suffering from now. So I'm glad we've spoken about this. If you have something else to add, I'll be excited for us to do that. If not, then we move on to the next question. Well, just real quick, you, 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 mentioned, you, mentioned, you mentioned about the COVID situation and yeah. how, you know, the young lady said, like, I hate your mom. Like you said, obviously it did not come from her yeah. because, you know, if you leave kids to their own vices, they're going to play with each other. They don't care. They don't care what you look like. Yeah. Kids are not talking about, oh, there's a, yeah. there's a, you know, there's a lighter skin person. There's yeah. a brown person. Yeah. There's yeah. a very, very dark person. They yeah. don't care. They just want to play ball. Yeah. They want to play in a stand. Exactly. They want to dirt at each other. Yeah. They can care less. So, and and that's where that whole, you know, what's being taught in, in public schools is so disgusting at this point in time. Like, you're splitting kids apart and telling them that, you know, you're part of this group. You're part of this group. They're kids. They're kids. They're kids. They do not care. No. Yeah. Right? In fact... The love from them is something that can probably be taught to adults, but it's adults putting that nonsense in their head. Like, you know, the whole the whole gender thing. It's like, oh, this kid decided it, he's not a boy; he's a girl. Yeah. How? That, that's that's a very complex conversation that no kid knows how to do. Yeah, exactly. Kid doesn't know what's going on. In fact, boy or girl, they're still trying to figure out what their body is doing through changes through puberty. Yeah, exactly. Right. What? Is these weird feelings I'm getting in my chest and in my head and in my body. And it's like, oh, well, there's something else. They don't know that. Have you been around a kid for more than 10 minutes? They don't even know how to eat properly. Why? Because they have to be taught. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can leave a teenager to his own vices. I've always jokingly said, if I left my teenagers with $200 to be at home for the weekend and do what they wanted to do, it would be nothing but Sour Patch Kids, chips, pizza and junk there will be nothing green in there unless it's exactly. a skill right it'll be nothing but candy and junk why because they don't know any better exactly. they don't know about the food pyramid they don't know what's healthy exactly. all they know is junk and they're going to go on their own vices so you are absolutely correct and and during covid we didn't have a moment when we did come together for for a second but it's not interesting the second society and some of the political leaders saw that they were like oh no we can't have unification 
We need to get them turned back against one another. Yeah. Go back into your house and sit in there and just soak with one another. We don't want you getting together. We don't want you fellowshipping with yeah. one another. Yeah. We don't want you sharing yeah. beautiful ideas. We don't want you loving on yeah. each other. You stay in the house and do what we're, do what you're told. Yeah. The second we start to bring back some normalcy, no, 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 no. We can't have that. Yeah. We need this. We need dysfunction. We need, you know, hatred. We need political divide. We need, you know, all of these other things. We need, you know, red versus blue, white versus black, you know, Hispanic versus whatever. Like we just need, we need, we need people pulling each other at the seams apart from one another then to come together. That's what happened through that. Wow. I like all these points we've shared today. And I believe that if anybody you know, um, happens to jump on this podcast, I praise my prayer that you'll be able to take something good with them from what we have um, said today and also that um, they'll be able to spread the word such that others can also hear more about the good things we are talking about on this platform today. So how has your faith fueled the work you currently do? My faith has, has been literally the fuel of life. Um, there is no life without faith um, without God without Jesus Christ as my savior I, I am absolutely nothing I'm just a walking piece of meat just a suit yeah. um, because the because of all of that I live move and have my being every day I wake up with a sense of purpose with a sense of fulfillment I don't wake up see, wanting to be like oh I just want to be happy today no I want to have fulfillment I want to go out and be like how can I serve today? Yeah. Not what can I get? How and whom can I serve? That's where my faith comes in. And the idea that you pour out, you pour out, you pour out, you give. And you know that on, on the other side, God is like, hey, you know, you love your neighbor. I will make sure you're taken care of. Exactly. You know, you honor your father and mother. I will take care of you. Love the God. Love your God with all your heart and all of, all of these things. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. All of those things are all about, it's not about you. And my faith has has taught me that at another level. I, you know, I have a morning ritual I go where, like, it's just all about gratitude. It's all about giving back to my father. It's all about, you know, thanking God for my next breath. Thanking God for the moment we're having right now. Yeah. That's sort of where I am. And that's about as simple as I can put it. I mean, to, to, to know that I am protected, you know, by my father is just a great thing for me. And I try to make sure and exercise that gratitude on a daily basis. Great, 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 great. Let's talk about your book. What is it about and why should anyone go and get themselves a copy? So now what is the is the most recent book published uh, January 2023? And it was written at, at the height of the 2020, which, you know, <laughs> everyone everyone who's been around for a little while knows a lot was going on politically, spiritually, scientifically, <laughs> all those things. There was a lot of discourse going on, especially here in America. Yeah. Um, now what was written on the idea that um, no one owes you anything. Yeah. You wake up and you go make something happen. So now what is for the person who is looking around at their current situation and realizing they don't like what they see. But also owning the fact that where you are is because of you. There's no reason to look to anyone else. And you might have that person who's like, well, hey, my parents did this. You know, this happened to me. This happened to me. Maybe it's not your fault. 
but you still have to deal with the problem. And so now what takes you on a five-step journey to better get yourself from point A to point B and point C and point D and point E while also taking responsibility and putting together the proper steps to get there. So, you know, in a brief, in a brief overview, you know, we talk about reflection. The first thing, before you can move forward, you need to know where you are. Mm -hmm. Like if you look around and you're, and you're standing in a bunch of rubble and it's a bunch of trash around you, you need to own the fact that there's a bunch of trash around you, you know, then you move on and you say, okay, now I want to decide what do I want? I say, I see where I am. It's not very good. Where do I want to go from here? And you decide. And of course, after that, you'll go into the planning phase. You'll start getting into the idea of putting things into goals, putting things into a mind map, you know, start getting the, the, the work in reverse, put the big goal up here and start breaking down the small goals where you can have daily wins. Then, of course, you've got to go into action, you know, go out and test drive everything you've just written down and go make something happen. And of course, the last and possibly the most important one is to seek counsel. We've been talking about that a lot in this podcast here Damn, about yeah. community. You don't get successful alone. The only way you get successful is to serve the needs of others. That is not my opinion. You can go try it out for yourself. The way you become successful is to serve the greatest number of people with what you have to offer to them in exchange for a fair exchange for what you for what is uh, available for your service. Wow. And so like that. that's the five step process. Of now, what which is um, is available now right now in all the uh, major book, uh, bookstores, uh, whichever one is your favorite one. Uh, definitely appreciate you going to pick up a copy. It, it was written uh, with young people, with young adults in mind, but anyone who's looking to make a major transition, who's coming out of something, wanting to go into something new, this book is definitely for them. Great. How many books do you have? Because as I was reading uh, your bio, I realized you have another book um, titled The Baller Within. And this book has made it so great. It's being used in schools to teach. Even right. Tell us, tell us a success story about this particular book, The Baller Within. So, Waking Up All Over Within uh, was written back in 2011, I believe. So, it's, it's coming up on like 12 years old now. Mm. And uh, it was it was written bec at, the, at a time when I was working with Fox Sports. I was working with athletes quite a bit. And so, we were we were working through all of those different things. Um, and I went through a, a really tough time in my life. Uh, I was thinking I was 29, almost 30 years old. I was in a relationship that just didn't work out. Went through a deep depression. And all those things. So while I'm sitting up here working for national major publications, writing for them, at the same time, I'm having a total meltdown over here. So when I hired my mentor, you know, he brought me on and, you know, we're working through some things and he put me on to spiritual and personal development. And it was a beautiful thing how that was working out for me. Uh, sitting there looking at the idea, I started honestly reading. Waking the Baller Within was, was birthed out of the idea that I had been working with high-end uh, athletes for so for some time and was, you know, doing a lot of great work with those with those young men mm -hmm. um, and understanding what it is that made them successful. Um, how were they able to have, to have to be able to score the touchdowns, to throw the passes, to be able to make plays on the defensive end? What was it that separated them from other athletes? And I wanted to know the mental side of things. And obviously as a very huge advocate of Napoleon Hill thinking grow rich, I did the same thing he had did, um, but with uh, athletes. And so that was sort of the, um, the, the backdrop to be able to, to, to work through, um, to work through that situation. And so, uh, you know, I, I settled on three things, dream building, goal setting, and a relentless pursuit to, to greatness was three of the foundations I found out that all of those athletes, I did, you know, close to 100 interviews 
uh, of young men who were successful at the college and the pro level. And so all of those things ended up sort of coming together and working out for, for the good of, you know, all who, who put, all who are part of the project. And all those guys are extremely successful right now. So that book did end up getting used in quite a few high schools and colleges. A lot of them were very open to the message because really sports was only used as a metaphor. It was just a metaphor for life. Um, that's why I always use the, the tagline, keep showing up on the field of life, because I'm taking the athletic side of things and turning that into a bigger concept yeah. uh, of using the awaken the baller within. You can awaken the lawyer within. You can awaken the teacher within. You can awaken whatever, because we're all ballers on the field of life. That was a great and amazing thing. Great, great, great. Now, if you had a mantra for our audience today, what would that be? I'll go with a quote that can go with something that can be beneficial for them. Hmm. Um, and it's not my quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my father's quote. Great. Um, he shared this with me when I was young. He said, uh, live the best life you can and give it all away. Great. Great. Live Great. the best life you can and give it all away. Give it all away. Okay. What would your final message be as we wrap up? Don't try to live life alone. Uh, establish a community. Um, whether you're a man, woman, a boy or girl, male or female, you need a council of people around you. Um, you obviously need a mentor along the way, but I say you need a minimum of three people. I'd say three people is a good, a good, a good, uh, good number. You need three people around you who can pour into you, preferably older people, someone who's successful, someone who's righteous, someone who has values. Get a council of three people around you and help them, have them help you and hold you accountable for living a great life, living a fulfilling life. You don't do life alone. You're going to need people around you. And some people are going to need to pour into you. And you're going to need some some trusted people to be able to make this happen and make this work out for you. So find some people who love and respect you, but who also will hold you accountable to be able to help you uh, work through life and all of the challenges spiritually, professionally, financially, in all of these different ways. Um, go find you some community, whether it's through a church, community center, wherever. Make sure you get that in your life because it's going to be one of the greatest uh, choices you could ever make. Wow. I like that. I like that. We would like to say a massive thank you, Ahmed, for coming on podcast with Sheila today. Well, thank you for having me. If you've been listening in, this is Season 2, Episode 80 of our podcast series where we bring seasoned guests with inspiring life stories and experiences to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. Walls at 8, please drop us a rating. We have a video presentation of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just search for Podcast with Sheila on YouTube and you'll find us. Our prayer for you this week is that you never give up no matter the challenges that comes your way. If others did it, you can do it too. Until we meet again, have a brilliant week. Mm-hmm.